All right, and welcome back again to Free the Geek FM. This time I'm talking with Stefan Hochdiffer about all things starting and running a company, public speaking, and loads, loads more. So, welcome back to episode 10, where I have the pleasure of a fireside chat with Stefan Hochdorfer. Anyway, I'll come to that in a second. Before I get into that, what I want to talk about is give a little bit of a blurb about what I've been doing and why this episode is later than normally scheduled, that being every two weeks. And the reason why, in case you've not been following my blog or been listening to recent episodes, is that I had the absolute pleasure of being a first-time public speaker, and at that, an international public speaker. I mean, totally how cool was that? Um, to give a special mention, and I think it is only polite, only um, a sign of good grooming, dare I say I have that, is to give a big thank you to the people that brought me there. Those being the wonderful people behind PHP Architect and Musketeers.me, that being Kevin, Heather, Eli, Sandy, and Oscar. Um, they were absolutely wonderful. They took care of everything. Anything that needed to be done, um, special for me, uh, I only say that I had special dietary requirements. They made sure it was all sorted out and things happened. Nothing was too much trouble. Uh, I was put up in a really cool room. Uh, the hotel was cool, easy to get to, easy to get away from, you know, so on and so forth. They were wonderful, really did a fantastic job. Um, and the conference went off without a hitch, or at least if it didn't, I sure as hell didn't see it. So they were great. Big hat tip, and it was great to be at the second PHP World. Um, speaking of that, I also had the opportunity to meet a number of new people and meet in person a number of people who I have been, well, we say friends with, over a lot of years, but only on Twitter, email, and, and so on. So I would like to make a special mention to just a couple of people. Those being Adam Culp, Brandon Savage, Chris Hatches, Oscar Merida, Joe Ferguson, and Taylor Rockwell, who I met for the first time. And there are, there are, there are loads of others, but, you know, I, and I'm sorry if I didn't mention you. But and I'd also like to make a special mention to, to Cal Evans, who, when I went over to him, he just didn't know who I was. He forgot me, even though he had me on Voices of the Elephant. Cal, I cried in my beer. I was so sad. How was that for theatrics? Was that good? I, I, sh I swear I should have done, like, drama at, drama at school or drama at uni, because that was just a joke. Anyway, Cal did forget me, but eh, it's a long story as to why, and it's all good. I just wanted to kind of have a bit of a laugh with that. Sorry, Cal, if that's a bit rude. Or kind of, you know, a bit on PC or whatever. Um, <laughs> but all good. Uh, no, it was cool. It was cool to catch up with Cal again um, and to meet everybody in person. It was, it was a really fun time. It was a bit daunting when I was getting up, or sorry, preparing myself in, in the time before my first talk, which was the talk I gave on giving, uh, increasing the chances of success with open source projects through documentation and promotion. Because it was my it was my first international talk. It was my first well, kind of real talk at a conference. But gladly, there were only four people in the room, so it was easy to kind of you know to get started. They were very positive. They were very supportive, and I, I sort of really can't say more. 
I'd like to say thanks to Adam for giving me the, the two new elephants to add to my herd afterwards. Really appreciate that. The second talk, which was on ZenDB SQL for promoting, uh, for promoting, there I go again, for creating SQL in a programmatic, object-oriented, flexible, maintainable way. That went off, I think, a lot better. I think probably as a result of having the sense of confidence and wherewithal it came from doing the first talk. It also had about, what, three times the, the crowd or something and about 15 people at, at, uh, at its height before a couple left. They were, they were really engaged, as best I can tell. There was a lot of good questions throughout the talk, answers to questions that I just couldn't think of off the top of my head or, or someone else in, in the audience knew. I was, it was really, really good. So I, I personally was, uh, I, I was waiting to commit to, 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 to do this again until I'd had this experience. And I think that's wise. But after, after having done it, yep, I'm definitely back in. And as I said to, to James Titcomb, I'm going to submit to the PHP South Coast 2016 call for papers. Um, I was going to do it today, but today the time is running out. So I'll be doing it definitely this week, hopefully tomorrow. Um, yeah, so I'm keen to just do this again. This is, it's been really good. I've, I've found it a really positive experience personally and professionally and just, you know, getting to know in person so many people. So yeah, it's, it's been really, really awesome. Oh, and now that I think of it, how could I forget that I also had a good chat with Chris Cornett? Um, I hope I pronounced your name right, mate. Um, it was good to meet you as well. Plus, you know, the, all the other people, plus Michelangelo Van Damme. Um, it was a really, really great time. So yeah, it's been, the, the conference was a great experience. It was interesting to go to a US-based conference because all of the conferences I've attended so far have all been European. Uh, so it's interesting to see how they do it. It's interesting to see that style of conference and, and how, it, how it works, how it's put on, the venue and so on. Uh, very, very positive. Uh, only, only good stuff to say about it. One more thing before I, I dive into the fireside chat with Stefan is that I also had the opportunity to have a wander around Washington with the wonderful grumpy programmer Chris Hartjes, Michelangelo Van Damme, Miss Erica Heidi and a number of other great folk. And that was really cool. I got to see the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Memorial, a whole lot of kind of army and security and police clad with weaponry like I haven't seen since I was in Paris. I think it was in 2005, and there were the riots on in the south of France, and gendarmes randomly appeared out of nowhere. So that was a little disconcerting. I'm just not used to it. Um, but otherwise, Washington was really cool. I had a, uh, went to the Arlington Cemetery. That was really interesting. Loads of, of history there. Got a shot of the Pentagon. And then I was in New York for the better part of five days. So that was great to wander around. Walked from... I was, I was staying down near Ground Zero. So I walked from there one day almost up to Central Park, believe it or not. Loads of awesome delis. Went to see the Statue of Liberty and it was on Ellis Island. Oh, what else? It was like, you just kind of walked around crazily everywhere. Um, yeah, so it was, it was all in all, uh, uh, wow, it was a wonderful almost two weeks on the east coast of the US. Um, and it was also my first time there. So, wow, I'm really kind of looking forward to going again. Anyway, all that being said, and that's my kind of uh, uber enthusiastic excitement, I'm going to dive into the fireside chat. And primarily because it goes for about 45 minutes, I think. So I kind of, I don't want to go on too long. I want to give as much time to the episode as possible. Oh, and one last thing. I do want to say, uh, sorry again, for not having the episode out at the, the schedule, sort of two-week interval. 
I, I really did get carried away at PHP World and in New York and things got in the way. I'm just going to kind of cop out and say it that way. I am planning to not ever have that happen again. And I would like to thank those who held me accountable saying, where's the episode, mate? So thank you for doing that. And anyway, without further ado, here's the episode with Stefan. Oh, and one last, last thing. There were some network issues when I was recording the episode. Um, and I'm not sure because I'm not a sound engineer. I'm not an audio engineer. So I'm not exactly sure what went on. So the sound quality gets a little bit funny kind of intermittently. If you are a sound or audio engineer and you know what happened, please let me know whether in a comment or a tweet or something because I want to fix this and get back to my, what I like to think of, of high or increasingly high standard of audio quality. Anyway, with all that said, here's the fireside chat. I start off by sort of um, indulging my curiosity by saying, how exactly um, did you get started? Like, I guess at one point you were a salaried employee and then started your company? Not at all, no. Uh, um, the story begins in school, actually. Okay. So, back in school, one of the good friends of mine came to me and said, Hey, why don't we sell hardware and software to our, to our uh, schoolmates? I said, okay, why not? That's cool. So, more quickly, we, we founded this, this privately held company, which is rather easy to do in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like within a week or so, you have you have all the permissions, and then they can can get things started. And so this business ran for a year and a half, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we we finished school, and we said we will we will cancel this company because um, uh, I went to public service, and my my fellow co-founder went to the military service, and it was clear that we do not find the time to to continue on on the company or working mm-hmm. with the company. Um, but it was clear to both of us, if any one of us has an idea, um, we would jump in the boat together and, and get things started. Mm-hmm. And so after that, we both went on and studied. Um, I studied in Worms, um, and, and uh, Matthias, my, my co-founder, uh, studied in, uh, in Zweibrücken, which is close to Saarbrücken. Mm-hmm. And back in the days, I was working at a small ISP in Worms, and more or less built up their development department um, and back in the days they part so that this company partnered with another company who sold an e-commerce application mm-hmm. and I thought well I could do that also I mean I can program in PHP I know what MySQL does so let's get this started so I told told Matthias about this idea and he said, yeah, cool, that's, that's, that's a good idea. Um, but if we do that, we do it my way, um, which means he was pretty into uh, software generators, like software applications which would generate software applications. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the customer in the end could decide uh, the functionality that he wanted and he would get a <clears throat> a uh, pre-generated application which would just contain the code needed for his special setup. Okay. So this this was the basic idea. And um, knowing that we wanted to do that, we went to different courses on how to start companies, on the legal stuff, on, on marketing stuff and whatnot. And um, almost 12 years ago these days, uh, we founded the company. Wow. 
So, um, and then we sold this, this e-commerce application a couple of times, mm -hmm. but we soon realized that we are not really um, salespersons, mm -hmm. so it was not easy to sell that stuff. Um, and by accident, we came in contact with some freelance project managers mm -hmm. um, who got us into this project business that drives our company or most parts of the company these days. So was that a, a product business, sorry? Or project, did you say? A project business. Okay, right. Yeah. So I would say 60 to 70% of the revenue comes from projects uh -huh. and the other part is products, either products that we develop on our own completely or we partner up with our, with our clients um, where we do the programming and the clients do all the sales part and whatnot. Okay. Um, swing back a bit, you said there was uh, the problem because you weren't, you, you were not, you both weren't marketers and sort of professional right. salespeople as such. What, what were the things that you sort of found most problematic in, in selling? Is it just sort of approaching people or identifying potential customers or? Yeah. If you don't mind saying that it is. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, probably a bit of both. I mean, when we started, we were both in our mid-twenties. We sort of less, sort of did not know anyone out there, right? So we had no contacts established from, from previous gigs or so. So it was hard to figure out like, what is the target market? How to approach these people? How much can we charge those? Um, so yeah, that, that, was not, that was not easy for us to, to figure out. Okay, and when you first started uh, bringing other people on board, I mean, what was it like I guess to place a certain amount of trust in other people's hands that you may not have known for, for as long. Mm. That was that was really weird. <laughs> um, so actually, the first employee we got um, was back in two thousand and four. So like half a year or nine months after we started, mm -hmm. and. It was actually a guy which I knew because he, he was studying with me in, in, uh, in Worms. Mm -hmm. So we had a little, yeah, we, we knew each other so we, we could work with him. So that, that was not a big deal. But when we expanded it, it was interesting to figure out how things would work together and <laughs> who to attract or who would be a good fit. Okay. I mean, when we started, and this is really probably one of the biggest, I would not say mistakes, but the biggest obstacles I was not aware of, like finding the right people, um, which really match the company culture and so on. Mm -hmm. Because when we started, me and Matthias, we both said, um, well, what, what are we going to do with the company? Is it just like the two of us and we do a couple of projects or sell a few products and then like, I don't know, have, have the rest of the month off? Mm -hmm. or do we really want to invest as much as time as we can to grow this company as big as we can? Mm. And we quickly decided on the latter part. Um, and so for, for quite some time, we really thought about making this company really, really big. Mm. Um, in the last couple of years, I figured out we probably should go the complete other way and like really hire just the people that match our company culture and style because it totally makes sense. Um, yeah, so that's 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 where we are right now. I mean, okay. we, 
we have to expand the business a bit. We need to hire a few more people, but it's not like that we want to grow to, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 or <laughs> whatever okay. amount of growth. So why, just, just scarcely touching on that point, like, why did you feel uh, it was better to find just the, the right people as opposed to, I guess, you know, get as many people and then you can say we have uh, a huge staff and we can do any job that you want, um, so on, that kind of cliched approach. Why did you feel a, a less is more or a smaller is, is, is better approach was, was the right one? Um, let me think about this for a second. Um, mostly it's because I've seen how, um, how it can cut in our performance of the company when you hire the wrong people, or the well, wrong is, is a bad word probably. People listen to the podcast will probably hate me when I say that. Um, people that don't match the company culture and the people that can't get used to, to the other employees. Yeah. Um, so this has a massive effect on the overall performance of the whole company. Okay. We had this. We had this a couple of times. So it's not just like a one one in a time experience. We had this multiple times over the last couple of years. Um, and this this made me realize that it's really important to hire the right people, whatever right means, like people that really fit in the company culture and the style and uh, can get used to the other people okay. that are already in the company. Um, yeah, that's, it's interesting that you say that because when I was talking to, to Cal Evans um, right. a couple of episodes back, he was, he was really, really big about that and, and saying that, you know, it, it's... Someone can be the most talented developer. Maybe they, you know, they've been some kind of embedded uh, Linux. Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to think of something that sounds really, really hardcore. Right. Um, you know, like brilliantly gifted and talented and dedicated. But if they, if they just don't fit, then he said it's just, it's just not worth doing it. Um, so it's interesting that you say that as well. It's you know, if, if the person isn't a good fit, that can. Uh, I think I'm right in, in making this assumption. Mm. that can make or break the hire. And Ab absolutely, yeah. So this is really the key selling point or the, the key point when we hire a person. So reason number one that we hire someone is his social skills or how we, how we think he could integrate with a company. Mm -hmm. So we do not hire for technical skills because we figured out it's way easier to grow technical skills over time than trying to change a person's attitude or style mm -hmm. so that does not really work easily yeah um, it may sound weird for for a company focused completely on technology to say that technology is not a big deal <laughs> when, when we hire someone um, but so far it, it really helped us no I, th I, th I think it makes a lot of sense because I remember oh, years ago I guess when I was back in university and I always wanted to to start a, a company doing something with Linux, and I was a bit obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I happened as, as as fate or chance would have it. One day, I was I was on the bus on the way home from from the job I had there. It was a university or job? I don't know. It was years ago, and I saw this company, and I and I got the email address from the the, the shop front, and they were doing Linux or something or other. And I emailed the person and I thought, well, I'll just ask a question and if he answers, well, great, I can get some, some advice, if not, no harm. 
And it was interesting. I, I expressed this sort of this desire, and he said, honestly, the, the most important thing is running the company. You know, he said all the things like you've got to be able to manage your money, um, hire the right people, they've got to work together, um, get out and talk to people, all those sorts of things. He said, what you do is, is great and it's important, but it's not, he said, from his experience, it wasn't the most important thing. It's, you kind of assume that you've got that. You, you can always do better. You can learn the technical skills a piece at a time, but if you can't, you know, if you have no personal skills, if you can't manage money, you know, those kind of, what would you say, uh, things that are consistent across all businesses, Mm. He said it's, it's largely sure. a waste of time. Mm. So would you feel that's, that's kind of fair? <clears throat> that is really a tough one. Um, for some reason, obviously, money drives our business, so we, we all have to earn some money. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, it's not like the most important thing. I'm okay. sure we have to make sure that we can pay our bills and we can pay our the bills of, of our employees, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, to be honest, when we started the company, yes, we all dreamed of, of being this, this multi-billion valuable startup and earning a shitload of money. I mean, if I would say anything else, it would totally be a lie. <clears throat> but these days, to be honest, I really don't care about the money part. Uh -huh. I mean, I can make a living out of what we do, and and that's that's totally fine for me. I don't need to to earn way more money. Um, it's more importantly to have fun at work, to to grow the company, to see how the company evolved, um, how the people evolved, mm -hmm. which is really massive, um, and and this really makes me proud and. and this is the thing I'm aiming at uh, these days. Uh, I said before, we, we, we founded the company almost 12 years ago. Yeah. Um, we have one guy with us who, who stayed with us for 10 years right now. Mm -hmm. And this, I think, is really, really big. I mean, we got a lot of um, applicants that, that show us their CVs and, and you see that they are changing jobs like every year or so. Mm -hmm. And, and having people staying with us for eight to ten years is is really massive. This, at least to me, shows that some things we do right. <laughs> okay, that's, that's interesting because I'm used to, at least uh, back in Australia and in the UK, like changing a job every, oh, I'd say two years was, was mm -hmm. just something I got used to as normal. And I, I, my feeling was is at least here in Germany that things didn't turn over quite near as often <coughs> mm. so did were there a number I guess just curiously <coughs> what were the sort of broad percentages like how often do people sort of turn over uh, roles sort of move from one to the next to be fair I don't really know I mean, for us, we, we don't really have a turnover rate that, that is really high. Mm -hmm. So most of the people who started with us still today. Okay. We had to let go a few, but it's hard to say numbers. Maybe maybe five to, to ten maximum in the last 12 years. Uh, okay. and, and right now we, we have 42-ish people, I think. Nice. So that, that I would say that that's really a small percentage. 
Okay. Yeah, I was just interesting because I was just inter interested because I know when I was in the UK, it was this really bizarre scenario, and I think it still is the case, where someone will attempt to poach you from the job you're in, mm. and then a year later will attempt to poach you from the job that they put you into. <laughs> and despite the fact of, yeah, I, I, you know, hello to all the recruiters who might be listening. Um, whenever I see someone who, or suspect somebody is a recruiter, when I get a connection request on LinkedIn, I generally just ignore it. Mm. Um, I know that might sound harsh because I'm sure there are some nice recruiters. I've just had uh, just been burned by a couple that really color my perspective for all the rest. Yeah, I'm fully with you on on that when it comes to recruiters. I, yeah, I, I know that sounds harsh as well, but you get so many dumb inquiries on all these these uh, platforms out there. Mm -hmm. um, people who have never ever read your CV or, or, or the, the jobs that you've done or the stuff that you're interested in. Mm. Like just yesterday I, I got an email from a recruiter asking me if I wanted to, to be part of an event management team. I said, what the fuck? I mean, you haven't even read what I do. Yeah. I mean, yeah, usually I, I just move, move that, uh, the, the emails to spam, but this time I thought I would just reply and just make things clear even if they will hate me afterwards but yeah i'm sure it was an interesting email <laughs> it wasn't as harsh as it could be <laughs> no. okay. yeah, just, just I, I didn't let the german out so i was really nice. oh, <laughs> oh. Fine, it wasn't scary then no i just i always just found it funny and i mean uh, perhaps segueing but i i started with a really really cool company I think it was my first full-time role in the UK. I'd had some really short uh, contracts before then as I was kind of figuring out how everything worked. Mm. And I got approached by this company, oh, this recruiter, sorry. And I just want to put in again, I, I'm sure there are some lovely ones. I've just had some really nasty experiences. Mm. And this person is, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, your CV's wonderful. Oh, yeah, you're amazing. And you, maybe it's the Australian thing, but I've seen similar uh, uh, feelings in, in, in Germans as well. It's this sort of, okay, yes, yeah, something's wrong with this picture. Right. But I thought, okay, uh, I'm new to the UK. I've never worked with, oh no, I worked with a recruiter once before that. And, and so we go with it and, and he says all this lovely stuff. And I went to an interview and, and I ended up getting the, the role. Um, and, you know, hats off, it was a brilliant company and I've got some long-term friends out of that position. But then, he, he turns up. Oh, I must have been there for two weeks, max. He turns up. I see him at the doorway. You know, he couldn't... He wouldn't have taken much to see me because it was, it was a small open plan office. Mm. He comes and gets the boss and takes him out to lunch. Didn't even look in my direction. Didn't even say <laughs> anything. And then, let's just top this off. Let's, let's top off this feeling for a second. Um, sometime later, owing to visas and all this kind of stuff... I had to get a new one to, to stay in the UK. Mm. And so anyway, I, um, I, I think I said I was looking for work or whatever, and, and he pops up. I'm not sure how, you know, he sort of found me again. And I sort of explained the situation that I needed um, to find a company that would sponsor me because I didn't believe I was gonna, going to be eligible for the next level up visa. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, that's totally fine. I know this company. Um, and yeah, they're, you know, they're started by, um, uh, people south of, of the, uh, equator, shall we say, I'll just, 
I'll skip over it. Mm. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go meet with these people. And you know, they tell me this lovely story and it's all brilliant. And he assures me that everything's wonderful. Anyway, mm. after a little while, he drops out of contact. And I'm getting a bit stressed because my visa is coming up for renewal. Right. And so I try to find him a few times. And then I, I think one day I happened to find like the latest secretary at the company. And she said, oh, no, no, he's left. <laughs> I was like, oh. Ben, That's ben. good to know. Yeah. <laughs> and then his, his replacement gets in touch with me and tells me all these sorts of things about basically stalling. And after about three weeks of being stalled, I, th- I just went and started looking for something else. Mm. And he rings up and says, oh, yeah, yeah, you just, just got to wait a bit longer. And I said, there's no job, is there? <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just, they're just uh, you know, they're just going through a few things and they're, just, they're, they're definitely coming back to you. And I said, look, I'm just going to call BS on this because there's not. Right. And then there's this awkward silence. And I thought, I won. You know, I was, I was dead set right. Mm-hmm. And it turns out, yeah, there, there was no job because the company went into receivership. <laughs> Yeah, that can happen. So, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's my worst story. And, and I just kind of find it funny when people who are meant to, you know, have your, well, I would assume meant to have your best interest at heart or to find, to, mm. to match the right company with the right person, it's just the computer says, here's a set of skills, here's a company or here's a person. And that's how it feels. But anyway, that's my rant and I'll hop off my soapbox now. <laughs> You probably should change the topic not to annoy the recruiters. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, put, uh, I'll put the warning to explicit and say, uh, recruiters, <laughs> please don't listen. Just, just If you're a recruiter, better off just skipping this one. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but I figure as well, as, you know, as, as the show is aimed at technical people and tech writers, then you know, I can say, hey, I'm sticking to my target audience. The target audience can Absolutely. Re- definitely relate. So, you know, I'm playing to the home team. So, all right, getting off the, uh, at the point of bagging recruiters, you know, stab, right. stab, stab. <laughs> um, <laughs> I swear in some countries I could get sued for that. Um, is there... Try, I'm just trying to play this one out off the, the, the top of my head. Do, do you think there's one personality trait or characteristic that makes the person um, an awesome fit? Or is it sort of like just a series of things? I'm just kind of curious as to when you said, you know, you, you look for, for social interpersonal skills. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a kind of person that you find works best in a team or in, in your teams? Or is that a bit broad to ask? That's probably a bit broad to ask. I don't... So right now, I, I would not have an answer to that one. Okay. Um, so other than... You need somehow to to fit in the team and get used to the to the to the coworkers. Um, so, so what what are the like the things that you do for for internal development? Um, and I guess uh, perhaps it'll sort of bear out in, in the answer to the questions. But I guess you place like a big emphasis on on team education and, and, and personal development in that respect. Uh, yes, that's that's definitely one one area where we where we aim at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what's the what are the, the key things that you, you do to make sure you know developers continue to, to learn and improve? Um, well, first of all, since we are a technology company, we don't have projects in one particular space. Like mm-hmm. we don't do like the thousands Typo three website or the ten thousands Magento shop. 
Um, so we do really custom projects and try to be as open as possible when it comes to technology, um, giving our customers the best solution out there, like mm -hmm. best in, in the big air quotes um, <laughs> style. <laughs> um, but it also helps our developers to to get used to, to new stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and this is really one of the key things that they really like about us. Mm -hmm. um, like a couple of weeks ago, we did our first project with Neo4j because for, for that specific project, it was a perfect fit. We couldn't have used a relational database or something like Mongo, so that was, that was really cool. Mm -hmm. um, we don't only do PHP, we also do Java, we do a little, little bit of Python. Um, when we do mobile stuff, we, uh, we don't just do the HTML5 parts, we also do the native uh, applications. So we really try to be as open as possible, mm -hmm. which sometimes is not easy because, I mean, you have to set up some kind of infrastructure for all these different toolings. Yes. You have to educate the people, you have to sometimes shift projects because maybe one person is a better fit for the job as some other guy. So that mm -hmm. it comes with a few problems, but overall I think we, we do a pretty good job. And... <clears throat> In addition to that, we, I think, eight years ago or so, we started our own internal company developer conference. Mm -hmm. um, like I went to, to our CEO and said, hey, you know, I think this is really important. Um, mostly for two reasons. Uh, reason number one is we have two offices, mm -hmm. um, which are about an hour and a half apart. Um, and both offices are rather independent, so we don't have a lot of projects that are done in, in both locations. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring the guys together at one table and discuss the problems that they have. Okay. <clears throat> and in addition to that, I wanted to, to grow their interest in speaking and sharing mm -hmm. their ideas. Yeah. And the third reason was I wanted to like invite external people which show some tools or, or libraries or frameworks or whatnot, so just to, to get the new wind in. <clears throat> yeah. So that, that was the, the basic idea uh, when we started this, this, this conference. And this, in, in the first couple of years, we said this is... Um, <clears throat> it's not mandatory, so it was at a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we say, hey, it would be really fine if you could guys come. And a lot of our developers came, which is really cool. And I think four years ago or so, we said, hey, this is so important for the company. Um, we do this on a work day, and you all have to attend. Okay. Um, yeah. And so so this is, this is uh, one one part of the story <clears throat> and um, I think three years ago I went again to our CEO and said you know this is I still love this developer day that's that's how we call it mm. um, but we do have a problem when we do invite external people um, we can't really openly discuss our internal problems okay. obviously yeah. um, so we should separate that and really 
turn this developer day into an internal company event with no external um, external audience. Um, but I still would love to to invite external people just to to exchange ideas and so on. And this led more or less to an event that we call Unconf, mm-hmm. which is like the German abbreviation for Unconference, mm-hmm. um, which we've done two times now, and we will do it next year as well. Okay. Um, so it's like an unconference. You you come together, um, decide on what you want to talk about in the morning session, and then yeah, have one day of sharing whatever you're interested in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this year we changed things a bit, and I'd say for the good. Um, we I had this idea of making it look more like a conference, and I wanted to add a keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, which turns out to be a fabulous idea from the feedback I got. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, really happy that I found a really cool, cool person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my close friend uh, Scoop, Stefan Skopmanschap, oh, yeah. from the Netherlands. Uh-huh. Um, that was quite funny because when I said I wanted to, uh, wanted to have a keynote, um, I went through my list of good friends slash speakers I do know mm-hmm. um, which seem to be capable to pull something like that off and I had in the end like a list of 20 people or so yeah. um, which turns out I could run a whole conference with them <laughs> 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 which is not what I wanted yeah. uh, so over time I uh, I reduced the list to like four or five people and uh-huh. <laughs> uh, since the deadline was approaching I was really <laughs> really nervous of <laughs> whom to invite or yeah. who could pull this thing off and uh, in January this year Scoop uh, posted a tweet on, on Twitter that he was looking to to do a keynote and looking for a, a conference to do that for next year mm-hmm. so I kicked off my email client I just sent him an email I say I know you want to do that next year but would you mind doing it at our unconf? And being the nice guy that he is, he instantly said yes. And uh, so we did his keynote, uh, which is titled Developer Are Like Humans. Um, very personal story, which is it's really cool to see him do that. And this was really, really an amazing opening for, for the event. Awesome. And uh, so next year we will have another keynote speaker. I will not announce any names uh, right now, okay. <laughs> but it will be at least as awesome as Scoop, I guess. <laughs> okay, waiting with bated breath here. <laughs> uh, it will be in uh, in April next year. Yeah. Um, we still need to decide on which Saturday, um, but I think we, we will announce the date um, next week or so. Ah, okay. So, if I know that, I will definitely ping you because it would be really awesome to have you as well. Hey, hey. I hear, I, I hear my name. <laughs> exactly. And maybe you have an awesome talk to deliver. I, I well could do. I'm <laughs> Speaking of talks, I'm a little nervous actually, uh, given that I have to give my first two uh, next week. Oh, that's next week. Wow. Yeah, okay. it's, it's rapidly. <laughs> it's, it's almost there. And nice. I admit, I have been... Um, flipping between spending big chunks of time on it and being a little bit sort of nervous and, and putting it off. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually going through it, I guess just a segue, I was going through one of the two last night. Okay. And there's, there's little 
patches where it needs a bit of work and I'm thinking no there's still enough time and there's, there's still a flight and I, mean, <laughs> I, I think genuinely there is it's not as though they're, they're big things that need work it's just there's sections that I, I think just aren't finished they're just sort of right I, I, I think if I was sitting in, in the audience listening to it it'd be that was really really good I'm not sure why you put that section in because it just didn't seem to go anywhere Mm-hmm. So I'm just, or maybe I'm just, you know, the the, the nervous first time um, speaker. And yeah, just go on stage and do your stuff, and I mean, you will definitely get feedback, and they can improve. I mean, don't don't try to polish it as much as you can right now because that probably won't work in a in a way that you want it to work, I guess. So just relax, have fun on stage. This is probably the best advice I can give you. Uh, I'm up for that. I'm I'm up for that, and a little bit of. A very short bit of self-deprecating humor to, to relax <laughs> and then on with the talk. <laughs> <laughs> and even if you completely screw things up, just try it a second time and it will work fine. That That's my experience. Like the first talk I've ever given, mm-hmm. it was in 2010 at a, a small uh, PHP uh, user conference in, in the Netherlands called PF Congress. Yeah. Um, the guys put me in the first session in the biggest room, which was kind of like of a theater. Um, I was standing on stage, I was completely scared, and the session should have taken 45 minutes, I think, and I was done in like 20 or so. So that was really the worst <laughs> experience oh, ever. Yeah. But I seemed to have enjoyed it, and uh, I had another talk at the end of the day, uh, which went way better, and uh, yeah, that's... that's uh, why and how I'm still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I, I wondered. Um, I've gotten loads of advice, and I, I got this one piece of advice from, from Lorna. Um, and she said, well, she said, it really depends, because I said, like, do you run to time? Do you allow questions? She said, depends if you, if you feel comfortable answering questions. If you don't, run as close to time as you possibly can, say, oh, look, really sorry. <laughs> but yeah, come see oh, me that, afterwards. That's a good- <laughs> mm, that's that's a good one. Yeah. And she said, then you know, like you can only talk to one person at one time, or maybe just a few. So it works out. You answer questions and you ease your nerves. Um, <laughs> I've sent. Mm, the, yeah, that's that's true. Mm. I've sent the talks around a bit. Um, like I'm happy to, to to share them, and most of the feedback's been good. Um, like I I gave the sequel talk um, in Frankfurt, and it was it was positive, but it was, literally was. It was the first time I'd actually given a talk. Uh, period and <laughs> it was sort of going well for a while and then after a while I just thought no this is just a train wreck <laughs> um, <laughs> but surprisingly the feedback I got was quite positive and I just mm-hmm. thought for yeah, sure yeah I saw the feedback I saw the feedback on joined in and it was really really sad that I could not be there I was I swear you were missing out on the amazing experience that it was <laughs> 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 joke joke um, yeah I was really I was really surprised at that because I just the impression I had in my head and what people said was different although Marco uh, Pavetta was pretty cool saying yeah that bit was good that bit really kind of no but how about Mm. restructure it like this and I reckon you'll do Mm. a lot better so you know if nothing else there was a lot of constructive input which Mm. I've applied as much as I can yeah, that, that's really one thing that, that, that really amazes me, like how much of constructive feedback you get on, on, on platforms like Joined In. I mean, sure, some people say there's like five stars or like, I don't know, two stars and then just leave no comment, but there's a lot of good feedback in it. 
that that's really amazing. And I really like the um, Help Me Abstract uh, site mm. from from Kayla Daniels, where you can can easily get some input on how to tweak your your um, your session proposals. Ah, uh, is that Kayla? Um, I've that. That's Kayla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ah. Uh, I was a passive user for a couple of months, and then I, I just thought I would should send in my my proposal as well, and I got some really really good feedback. That was really cool. Okay. Any other uh, suggestions for, for new or first-time speakers whilst we're on the topic of, of conference speaking? Any other tips or pointers or just get in there and, and wing it? Yeah, get in there and wing it. Don't, don't over-prepare stuff. Just see how it goes. And yeah, as I said, have fun on stage. Okay. Uh, this, is, this is probably really like the biggest, uh, the biggest advice I can give you. Okay, so with that, that relaxed, entertaining... Uh, exactly. I mean, it, it completely depends on your style. I mean, when I started, it was completely different to what I do now. Mm -hmm. uh, like for the maybe two or two and, and a half years, I really tried to make my talks entertaining mm -hmm. um, so that it's not just like the technical content delivered by a guy on stage and that's it. Mm -hmm. So I really want to make the people laugh or, or enjoy their time. Um, which means I have to make a lot of fun of myself and my German background, but that's okay for me. Uh, turns out this works anywhere in the world except for Germany, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be a common thing. Like, all the German speakers seem to do like a, a self-deprecating thing and then get into the talk. Is, is this like the, there's, there's a school for German conference speakers or...? Uh, that is a very good question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't actually know. Because <laughs> I saw, I could, I could oh. blame my my Dutchy friends of of pushing me into that direction, but that uh, would probably be fair. <laughs> not, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I, uh, is it David Zulke? I'm not sure if I pronounced that uh, name yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. But he did the same thing, and then I saw you doing it. and I thought, is this just like a trend in in, in German conference speakers, <laughs> or very cool? But yeah. I was just. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I just I think I just tried it once and it worked and it got got me some laughs and that's that's how I <laughs> how I went from there. So I should do some kind of crocodile dundee joke or Yeah, maybe. Come on stage dressed like crocodile dundee and <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah you, you need to you need to find your your thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'll keep looking. Yes, yeah, to be honest, it's it's really hard to predict how the audience will react like I, I, I have this, this HTML5 offline API talk, yeah. which literally I did all over the world, mm. like in most European countries, in the US, and I even was invited at a conference in, in South Korea. And um, it's really interesting to see how different, um, different people or different cultures react to different jokes. Okay. So, I mean, when I was in Korea, I, I had done this, this talk for maybe 15 times or so. Mm -hmm. um, it was such a routine that I exactly know when to make which joke and when to expect a laugh. Mm -hmm. And this totally did not work out in Korea. <laughs> and that was really weird. <laughs> so it was just deadpan. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Oh. I'm not sure if, if this was because... Um, 
they um, so I did the talk in English and they instantly translated that to Korean. Um, so maybe that that was that was a, 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 a trade-off for that, or maybe the guys are not used to to laugh in public. For I don't know. Yeah, it, uh, it was still fun, but it was it was quite weird when you like waiting for the reaction of the audience and just nothing happens and you have no idea what's going on. So that that still even today kills me. Or when I see like a guy leaving, I think, oh man, have I said something wrong or what's going on? So that, that just really kills me for a second or so. And that happens in the US, doesn't it? Um, I know in, well, it, it can happen all over the place. So, I mean, people leave for different reasons, like they're just visiting the restrooms or have to take a phone call or whatnot. You, you don't see that. But yeah, sometimes it's really weird to, <laughs> to see people and leave the room. Yeah, I remember I was talking... Oh, Especially when you know the guy is leaving the room, so that's even more uh, odd. Yeah, that'd be interesting. <laughs> I was just listening to Gary Hocken. He was chatting to... Oh, I think he was on Dev Hell or something. Mm. And they were saying that I think in the US it was it was not uncommon, you know, to, to leave because, you know, you, you went in there, uh, it's not your thing, you move on. Whereas in... I'm not as familiar with that in European conferences. It's usually, well, you're in there now, you just stay. But... Yeah, that's 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 true. Yeah. Mm. I was just curious as to like, did it, the, the first time it happened, did were you sort of thrown off by it, or you just sort of oh, whatever shook it off, kept talking, or? Uh, yeah, I just kept talking. So, so the first time this really happened was was in Vegas at that ZenCon. Mm -hmm. um, but since I was so engaged on a large stage, uh, yeah, I, I could not really think about this, and. and since I have given the talk for a couple of times now that I did there, uh -huh. um, it was not a big deal. Oh, and since the the um, the room was quite big, I I also did not really see the people, so I just saw someone moving somewhere. So that was the the only thing that distracted me for like a second or so. Okay, and you can just you know you think yourself, well, you're dead to me now, so you know. You exactly, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. You left. Uh, to to blame him, it was Matthew Wirofini. Ah. And yeah, 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 and and I don't like him anymore. Well, sorry, <laughs> just sorry. kidding. Sorry, Hopefully, he, he he won't listen. Sorry, 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 Matthew. You know, you're dead to us. You know, <laughs> see, I was going to come up to you and shake you. He had hand. a perfect excuse in the end, so it, it was we are we are friends again. So it's oh, good, good that you know he's <laughs> he's mended the bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, the one thing that I that I always do, or I try to do is to say, is there anything that you want to plug? Is there a new book, new conference, um, new talk or something that you're, you're giving soon or releasing soon that you want to plug? Uh, not at all. Ew, that, 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 that's a good one, actually. So maybe the conference organizers will listen to this one. Um, so for the last three years, I did a talk on Postgres and the NoSQL features. Mm -hmm. And... In December, it's the first conference where I turn this talk into a workshop. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking out for conferences next year who want to uh, have me deliver that stuff as a workshop. Awesome. So if you're interested in all this, this uh, Postgres NoSQL goodness, um, I can assure you there's a lot of cool stuff inside. And you have seen the talk in PHP UK, so you I know that. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's really amazing what you can do with Postgres in the NoSQL world, in big air quotes again. Um, yeah, so if anyone is interested, just ping me. Okay, so I'll add some, co um, I'll add some contact details on the Great. Great. Other than that, I don't have anything 
particular coming up. All right. Um, all right. I really want to do less conferences next year, so that's that's really. I said this for like the last three years, and yeah. I never achieved that. But next year is definitely the year I will do less conferences. Definitely. So I definitely. know this will make a lot of people happy. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that it's not a conference when I'm speaking, but uh, yeah, that's that's a different story. <laughs> I, was say, that's, I think that's a pretty fair thing. Pretty fair so, thing to say. Yeah. So usually I did between like. 12 and 15 conferences a year, a year plus a few user group meetups which is really a lot and I really want to cut it to like between 5 and 7 ish you could come with it to like you know you're exclusive now you know you've, you've, you've reached exactly level, so. I, I played Vegas so I can't go to any conference anymore so yeah it, it, it needs to be a special occasion and a special event yeah yeah and only blue M&M's Please. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right. I need to do that. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm sorry. In, unless you have 800 people, attendees, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, you're, you're just too small for me. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> right. So, what did you think of the fireside chat with Stefan? Personally, as always, I think there was absolute gold in there. Um, I think, given what we talked about, it was a little explicit. Uh, just kind of, kind of just touching into the technically explicit range. I probably should have said that uh, before the fireside chat, but otherwise, um, yeah, it was it was fun chatting with him. I hoped that the audio quality didn't put you off or make it too difficult um, to follow. But hey, if you've got any feedback on the episode, please, as always, add a comment in the episode, which will be episode ten, freethegeek.fm forward slash episode ten. Please add your thoughts, add your feedback, add your, your input. Um, otherwise, send me a tweet. I'd love to know what you think. But ideally, if you could, please give me a four or five star rating with commentary on iTunes because it always helps to know how, we're go you know how I'm going, how the show's working out, what you like, what you think could be improved. Anyway, until next time, be well.